Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List, and I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we check out all the new Marvel comics that come out. We just get excited. We get hyped. We tell you why we're excited for each book. We love comics. We're reading them all. The print, the digital, the collection, stuff hitting our apps. It's tremendous. And even our producer is getting in on the mic action today. <laughs> Persia, say hello. Wow. Yeah. Wow, we did it, guys. Finally. Uh, <laughs> Looking right at that wire connected to her mic. It is connected to nothing. Dang it. <laughs> I got hornswoggled. Uh, on that note, on let's that dive note. into all the books. We've got so many comics to talk about this week. It's going to be fun. Some really, really great issues. Kick it off, Tuck. All right, we're starting with Age of X-Men, Next Gen, number three. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Jason Keith, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I've spoken about this in the past, about how much I love how Ed has crafted this really great, really youthful group tone and, and, and setting and dynamic in this book. But what's really stood out to me in this issue is, yes, we have the bigger Age of X-Men stuff going on. We have the the threads that are constantly there, ready to be tugged upon. But what's really great for me in this issue particularly, it's like an amazing balance of the personal story and like the weight of like this kind of school setting tale that we have here and just the details of that and really feeling the weight of those characters and and their experiences within that, as well as the larger Age of X-Men tale, which is going on kind of in the bigger picture. So I really love that balance. I think it further emphasizes that kind of character teen dynamic that I love. If they were going to let me subtitle the collection for Mm -hmm. that story, it would be, the kids are not all right. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Right. But yeah. Shark Girl does have one of my favorite moments this week where she's like freaking out about the new Nightcrawler movie right. trailer. Yeah. I, I was love like, that, that little is bit. everyone freaking out about the next Marvel movie trailer. Yeah. She yeah. was so spot on. It was great. All right. Up next is another Age of X-Men book. It is The Amazing Nightcrawler number three. And this is written by Shauna McGuire, art by Juan Frigieri, colors by Dono Sanchez Almada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And this has two of my favorite bits of what Shauna does in writing. You know, one of them is in the descriptions of her characters in the the captions, Mm -hmm. you know, like mystery woman. And then the the description is very confusing. Yeah, Yeah. It's like those little things that it's a very serious story in a lot of ways, but it's also very clearly she loves the character. She knows the world. She's having fun with it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that I was thinking of is the way she handles and writes the cuckoos in particular. They These like telepathic sisters, they're sassy and weird and snarky and funny, but they're also like very vulnerable. And you empathize with them, with the whole idea that they are family and that that causes such a major problem in this universe is that family is verboten. Like everybody looks at them as like the grossies just because they're sisters. Right. Uh, which I think is a really interesting thing. It plays with it. And like you get those moments where you you see through the cracks of their armor. You you mm-hmm. see who they are personally. It's really it's fun. This book is it's great. Secrets and mysteries and pain. I love it. Yeah. Uh, next up we have Amazing Spider Man nineteen dot H U. Huh? What? Huh? Indeed. Huh? huh? Indeed. Dot huh. Huh? Uh this is another hunted story. It's written by Nick Spencer with pencils by the great Chris Bashalo with inks by Wayne Foucher, Live Say, Jaime Mendoza, Victor Olazaba, Tim Townsend, and Al Vey, and colors by Eric Arseniega with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Hunted has like really kicked amazing Spider-Man up to the next level for me. You can tell how much Nick Spencer loves Craven the Hunter. You can tell how much he loves the oppor- having the opportunity to spotlight these different characters, characters that we often simply see in an antagonistic sense. We see them through Peter Parker's perspective, and they're there to ruin his day or ruin somebody in New York's day or in the world's day, and Pete has to stop them. What's so awesome about Hunted is it, it allows us these opportunities to get to know some characters like the Lizard that we don't necessarily always get to know in, in, in a really intimate way. And that's something we get to get, get to see here. I love Nick's ability to humanize these quote-unquote villains because it's not just Spider-Man versus these characters. I mean, this issue really focuses on Taskmaster and the Lizard in a really big way. Spider-Man 
is a kind of a sporting cast member here. Yeah. And this is a real kind of gut puncher. There's some really beautiful, deep moments about this character and about getting to know him and, and, and flesh him out in ways that maybe we've seen a little bit before, but given just fully given in the spotlight here is so much fun. It's a gut punch in, in like a different way that the Gibbon issue is a gut punch. Cause yes. that one was like deep heartbreak. Yes. And this one has heartbreak to it, but it's, it's a, it coming at it from a different angle yeah. and it feels very different. I love the way Chris draws the lizard too. It's, you know, I, you have this I vision of the, the lizard yeah. of his like thin mouth or whatever, but Chris's lizard is just like this. He's got this thick like a, neck like and a, it all. Yeah. Torpedo is, bullet. Yeah. Shape, yeah. yeah kind of like almost more like a shark. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that, the way he draws him is so cool. Uh, another key thing about this issue is that it brings Vermin into the story, a character who had a big role in the original Craven's Last Hunt story. So it's further connecting this hunted story to the original, like the big Craven story that yeah. we think of previously. So it's a lot of fun. All right. Up next is Avengers No Road Home number 10. And it is my first pick of the week. Oh boy, this is it. This is the end. It is my favorite issue of the lot. It is mm-hmm. so good. This is written by Mark Wade, Jim Zub, and Al Ewing with art by Sean Isaacs. Colors by Marcio Menez with Eric Arciniega. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Wow. There were, I feel like there were a lot of cool, bold choices in this week's books. And this was like probably number one of them. Among. I was not expecting this story to end with like this way. Yeah. So, you know, we've been going through Nyx's, is she, she's the goddess of night and, and, you know, she's gone through. She's pretty much gotten all her power back and she has found this mystery house and she's gone in there to finalize, you know, like taking over everything. And the only one of the Avengers who was able to follow her into the house is Vision. Mm-hmm. And what we find is that this is the house of ideas. Obviously, the House of Ideas is the word that is, is something that we call Marvel, right? It's like something I'm pretty sure Stan Lee coined 50 years ago for the incredible energy and ideas that were coming out of what he and Jack and Steve and 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 Marie and everybody was doing all back in those days. So it's set on Long Island, which I like. It's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. not just because I you know come from parts of Long Island, but Stanley, Jack Kirby, and a bunch of other Silver Age creators, they lived on the island. Mm-hmm. They have history with that. So there's just little touches about it that you know are so wonderful. So you have the House of Ideas on Long Island, the final battle taking place there. And it's as Nick says, I quote, the dwelling space of the fundamental creative force of this reality, the one above all others. Mm-hmm. Like that to me, I was just like, I'm in. I'm yeah. ready for this. And then it's Vision who goes in and then he's restored by the forces of creation. You know, an, ep- an issue two ago, he was talking about how he's ready to die. He's ready to, to go to where his wife and his son are. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to make that sacrifice. He is, I think he's one of the characters who was created in the Avengers comics and has lasted so long. He is sort of a fundamental component of what the Avengers are. He's really important to the story. So I think it's very appropriate that he's here, he's restored, he's back. And, you know, what he does is ends up tapping into these forces of creation using his knowledge of Marvel heroes far and wide to help him fight. He's like, I have all the Avengers databanks. And so they're in the House of Ideas. He has basically full reign to use every Avenger, every hero to fight against overwhelming darkness. And Nyx, she wants to just tear it all down. And so you have like this meta idea of creation and destruction of, you know, moving forward with our ideas and with creativity versus turning backwards, turning it all down, making it bleak, making it like there's so many levels to how this comes together. It feels very Al Ewing to me with a lot of Mark Wade and Jim Zub in there. Like you could see their jabs, but there's like from what we've seen Al do on a lot of his books, I felt a lot of Al's. I mean, he is like the butler of the house of (laughs) ideas. Like he's just such an ideas guy. Like I started, I remember saying this back when we were reading his, like his inhuman series, I remember saying then, like, this guy's mind is bonkers. Yeah. It is like, uh, like I'm scared of it because it. it's like it. such immense. Yeah. There's so much going on there. And so, yeah, I totally agree. Like, to make this choice and, like, go, like, 
go to this place that is completely unexpected and the way that it's rendered visually in the first five or so pages especially yeah. is so cool it's so different i haven't seen anything like this uh yeah sean just goes it, it's like it's steps awesome. up so hard yeah. like i read this on the subway the other day and i i got a little choked up like there's such pure love in this it is a love letter to marvel and what our superheroes and our stories mean to us mean to our fans mean to the universe itself uh, the Marvel Universe itself, there's a bit here where Vision says, quote, light is the beginning, the light of inspiration, the light of the human spirit, forever mightier than your narcissism, your cynicism. I think I, that's so important and so powerful, especially in a world now where we have to constantly fight against the, the darkness, the trolls, the horror of people out there. There's always like we have to remind ourselves to think about that positivity and working hard. Like, I just, I was thinking about that when I was reading this issue. Man, I love this issue. Yeah. If we could get a once a year, beginning of the year, Zub, Ewing, Wade, Avengers story every year, like, I'm so down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's so awesome. All right. Next book for me is Daredevil number four, which is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Coquetto, colors by Sonny Go, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This it continues to be like I, I mentioned bold choices earlier. This is one of those issues that I uh, that I was thinking of of just like creators coming on, especially creators coming on to new projects or new series, and just putting their stamp on it right away. Just pushing them into new territory. And I think a big part of that with with this Daredevil series is like Chip is embracing the kind of darker side of this character in a really, really awesome way because this this issue kind of co-stars Frank Castle and there's a, a fascinating uh, meeting of the minds or more like confrontation of their kind of classic, long and storied different ways of doing things. It manifests in a different way and there's a really interesting showdown-esque type dynamic that happens like in this one room for a majority of this issue personally i always have in the back of my mind like oh i can't wait for this moment of to put it in a in a kind of murdochian catholic parlance like the redemption moment you know mm -hmm. what i mean because he's he's pushing this dark envelope and you know why he's doing it but to you know, ultimately see the the larger vision of what's going on here is is always so much fun. And I I also want to give a quick shout out to Marco Keto, who is just spectacular. Um, the, this like the last couple of bits in that the Matt Frank conversation. Yeah, man. There's one panel in particular, and I don't want to say anything more about it. I don't want to spoil it, but it's got Matt with his arms outstretched, and I yes. was just like, oh, right. oh, dog. Yeah, this is the good stuff. Yeah. If you are missing the Daredevil or Punisher shows. This is a great issue. Totally. You, you, you totally hear those agree. voices and yeah. you're just like, this is what I needed. Mm -hmm. All right. Up next is Guardians of the Galaxy number four. This is written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, the Guardians are re reunited. Well, kind of, some of them. You got new members that are <laughs> slightly regretful of their choices in joining the team, which makes it a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Gamora, she's over on Half World. It's interesting because... She is finally whole again after Infinity Wars. So she's almost got like this clean slate. We find her in a really interesting position. If you watched our video version of Marvel's pull list with our July previews, you can get a sense that there's something going on with Rocket mm -hmm. that ties into here. We'll hopefully, well, we will see more of that this summer. You know that things are kind of dire there. But the main thrust is another round of the Guardians versus the Dark Guardians. So you got big action forces that could essentially destroy a planet if let loose. There's mm -hmm. That's the level of power here. And we know Donnie, he's great. Dialogue, action, big moments, builds, relationships. But it, like Jeff continues to absolutely crush on this. There's costume designs. I love the way Gamora looks. She's got like her war paint, the dirty poncho, or Nova who's all battle damaged and he looks still so fierce. Mm -hmm. I love this. It's yeah. so good. Next up, we have Magnificent Ms. Marvel number two, which is written by Saladin Ahmed with pencils by Minkyu Jung, inks by Juan Velasco, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Again, this is a, a creator coming onto a new project and immediately diving deep into a story, wasting no time 
and introducing new characters, uh, utilizing dynamics like Kamala's family life in a really, really interesting way, pushing the boundary and opening up her universe in a really awesome way. I'm just a huge fan of Saladin, and you know we're going to talk a little bit about his other new uh, huge project in a few books, but I think he has such a command of what makes Kamala so special because it's her kind of relentlessness and she is kind of forced to ask some big questions when some really dark things happen to her in this, in this issue. But to see that relentless spirit come through is something that's really special about the character. It's something that I think he totally gets. Again, it just continues to expand the, the mythology, the universe of this character. It's, it's so fascinating. Heck yeah. All right. Up next is major X. Number two, written by Rob Liefeld, pencils by Brent Peoples, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., letters by VCs Joe Sabino. The first issue, we got introduced to Major X. We showed how he's connected to Cable. I still don't want to touch on that plot point specifically, Mm -hmm. because if you've not read it, if you're planning to read it, it's interesting. It's like it's cool how Rob is connecting all of these dots of the stories that he helped put together over the years. This one gives us a look deep into Major X's world. The enemies, the calamities, the reasons why all these things are happening. There's tons of new characters and riffs on on Marvel themes, on mutant themes. There's uh, an Atlantean named Nomar. Yeah. Not Namor, but Nomar. Uh, <laughs> so much more. It is very Rob Liefeldian, and it's a super fun time. Nice. Up next, we have Marvel's Spider-Man City at War number two, which is written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Michele Bandini, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is another one of the books that we cover on the video version of this week's pull list. And it's so great because, again, it's it's kind of playing with the perspectives on a lot of things, but uh, we focus a lot on Miles in this issue. and We, so we see things through his eyes in an awesome way. And there are some really amazing moments between Miles' dad, Jefferson, and Peter Parker. There's some big emotional beats here that, uh, you know, if you've played Marvel Spider-Man on PS4, you've gotten to know. But what's so great about this book and from a larger perspective, the Gamerverse books, is that there's a, a, a new angle on it. There are added moments. There's a, a, a fresh perspective that adds really so much. And uh, yeah, this is this is like... For me, if we're talking about, quote, adapting or transitioning a a story from a video game into the page or across any medium, like this is such a great example of everything that that can be. Yes. Also, Tucker, you forgot to mention Nazis made of bees. That's right. Swarm uh, (laughs) shows up in this issue because he had a moment, a reference in the game, but we didn't get to see him. So we actually get to see the character. We even get to see a character design and the logic behind it, putting him into this world. This is not a simple adaptation. There's mm-hmm. so much to it. I think big credit goes to Bill Roseman and uh, the entire Marvel Games team for thinking about it in a way that makes this a must-read for someone who's loved the game. You know, not just like, oh, it's a story I already knew. It's so much more than that. Totally. Yeah. All right, I got another one here. This is Meet the Scrolls, number three. It's written by Robbie Thompson with art by Nico Henry Sean, color assists by Laurent Grossat, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham with, of course, the great Marcos Martin on covers. This is a really, really fascinating issue for me because, yes, we have this bigger story going on with this scroll family posing as just kind of your regular everyday family here on earth. They're here for very specific reasons. We continue to dig deeper into that side of things. What was fascinating on a more philosophical level reading this and page by page, especially as we move towards the end, is this feels like a really awesome examination by Robbie and the team of this kind of like bifurcated life that they're living, this kind of like half human, half scroll life and the toll that that takes on these characters because it's not easy. And and while we're also going on this cool kind of like heist spy-esque story, there are also those, again, those family moments, those interpersonal moments where these characters are challenged in really interesting ways and that 
they kind of find themselves themselves challenged by who they are, what they're doing, who they're surrounded by, all that kind of stuff. It was really, really interesting. Yeah, I like that the first two issues were basically like hooking up with spies and, yeah. and life or death and struggles, but it's like, you know, like a really cool, neat, like intense thriller story. And then here is like they just kick you right in the junk. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We're, your emotions are going to be destroyed <laughs> by the end of this issue. You can't handle it. It's so good. I love Robbie. I'm going to punch him in the face next time I see him for making me really sad I know. this issue. I know. I'm not going to punch him. No, look. Nobody worry about look. it. I'm going to punch him we with a never, hug. Yeah. I'm going to hug him. <laughs> anyway, up next is Miles Morales, Spider-Man, issue number five. The third page of this issue is one of my favorites this week. It's Spidey swinging to help people in Brooklyn, and it's really, really beautifully done. The team here is wonderful. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And so what Javier does on this is make Spidey look so cool and so iconic, and he has these like ghost images of where where he was in the seconds leading up to this, it gives that sense of movement and speed, but you also have the environment and the presence on the street where, you know, people are watching him go by. Little kids are like, oh my gosh, there's Spider-Man. And there's an old lady who's like, eh, Spider-Man. <laughs> but you get that sense of it's his world. Mm -hmm. And that's so important to this book. I also think you, Tucker, or somebody on the Marvel.com team mm -hmm. needs to do a tribute to Javier's work around fashion in this book. Yeah. He's just like, the styles he's putting together, you know, I, I know that Chris Anka would do a lot of really cool stuff thinking about the fashion of his characters in Runaways, but I, I am pretty sure Javier is doing something similar. Just yeah. the way he dresses characters. It's really, so cool. it, it's like an awesome way for instantly to like give the reader a, an idea of who this person is. Like before a, there's a single balloon of dialogue. It's just like, oh, you kind of are already getting to know them, getting to know their vibe, what they're going to talk like before they even talk it's really really awesome yeah like there's this weird dude sean who messes yeah. with miles and Gonke. i can't even like quite describe him like maybe something the queer eye dudes would be like yeah you look pretty good kid <laughs> you're doing all right you don't need our help yeah you know like it's it's so dynamic whether it's because of the fashion or the panel layouts or the action or the environmental design it is one of the most gorgeous books we have on the stands right now. And there's also a new character introduced on the last page that I heard a bit about during our Marvel Comics editorial retreat. Saladin was talking about this character and, and what she's going to mean to the book, which I think is going to be really cool. Uh, so another, you got to read it. Got to read it. Yeah, I, I really honestly think that as we continue to see how the groundwork is being laid for this series, like as I'm reading this, like I'm constantly just saying like these guys get it. Like they just know what makes a great Spider-Man book. They know what makes a great Miles book. I was laughing in this. It had the great action, great tone. It, it, it's all there. I think it, it has potential to be something super, super special as we continue on. All right, next up we have Old Man Quill, number four, which is written by Ethan Sachs with art by Ibrahim Roberson, colors by Andres Mosa, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. My notes for this issue are simple. There are three letters, and they're the same letter. Could you guess what that letter is? F. Yep. F. <laughs> yep. F. Yep. Bin, bang, boom. It's all about that for me. I mean, yeah, we, we get like our our rare tastes of Fing Fang Foom. Look at him. He's but when we, hug him. I know. But when we do, I always love it so much. I have a, a Fing Fang Foom. Uh, it's not a statue. It's a a Hero Clicks yeah. toy. Yeah. But like. Because he's so big, it looks like a statue. I have him like right next to my TV, so he's always like curling around the TV, like, "Hey, boss, what's yeah, up?" Yeah. Like, "Hey, Foom." And I think it's just such a cool addition to add Fing Fan Foom to this world—the world of the wastelands, this kind of future world that we're exploring alongside these aged guardians. There's some cool overlap with previous Old Man XYZ stories, uh, whether that be Love Old Man XYZ. I know favorite book of the last 10 years obviously thinking of old man logan obviously thinking of ethan's previous old man hawkeye speaking on the old man subject uh our, our colleague you look at me like that no 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 how dare you no no give me a second that's not what's going with this uh our colleague johnny delalo who i've shouted out a couple times on the podcast before had a great idea for a new series okay and it's called oldman logan and it's 
just Logan played by Gary Oldman. In, uh, sign me up. <laughs> that's it. Give Boom. it to me. All right. Yeah. Johnny, green light. All right. Up next is Shuri, number seven, written by Vida Ayala, art by Paul Davidson, colors by Triona Farrell, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and man... I need Vita and Paul to team up all the I know. time. I love this duo together. I'm glad Nettie is coming back next issue, but like these two issues were a revelation for me of the power of this team yeah. working together. They're so good. Like they are tremendous. Vita's got all these fun vibes, these dialogue, the interactions. Their Shuri is so smart and confident, but like down to team up with Miles and Kamala in such fun ways, and you get there, all their interactions just gel. So authentically, which, yeah, that's what it should be. But you just feel so happy reading. I know. Like it it all clicks. Getting these pages where Vita's writing Shuri and Miles and Kamala through my favorite characters is like just a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Shuri is trying to help this troubled young man with redemption and fixing his future. Like that idea of Shuri, who is a princess, who is also being like, yeah, I'm going to help you out. I understand. Like I can... I can't relate, relate, but I can relate. I'm here for you. Let's figure this out. But you still have to do your time. Like there's a bunch of moments in here that have really clicked. And then Paul's art, it reminds me of Jim Mahfood. I don't know if you know Jim Mm. Mahfood's work. He's this amazing indie comics artist. He's done some Marvel work. But he also designed characters for the Clerks TV show. He has this (laughs) like graffiti slash dynamic cartooning style that is so good. And Paul takes that and just like blows it up and tweaks it in different ways and stretches it and does his own thing with it. I've been talking about Paul's work every time he pops up. Makes me so happy. This These two issues have been full of heart and humor and, and uh, they're a little weird, yeah. which I really, really love. I'm happy that Nettie's coming back, but I need more from Vita. I know. I know. So good. Next up is my first pick of the week, and it's Star Wars Age of Rebellion special number one. Look, this past week was Star Wars Celebration. We're recording this early, so right now Star Wars Celebration is yet to start. But by the time... Do you know things? Uh, Do you have secrets that have already been spilled in your face? Well, look, we both know things, but... Star Wars things? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey, fun fact, I ran into Star Wars editor Mark Paniccia on the train this morning. Yeah, We had a great Star Wars chat. about all the secrets? (laughs) It was awesome. It's great. Um, uh, Yeah, I I love this issue. It has... Three different stories in it. The first is an IG-88 story. Great time for all those IG-88 heads out there. And I know there are a lot of them. I would assume this is the only time I've seen him outside of Empire. Yeah. And I was like, I love this guy. I know. Uh, that one's called The Long Game. It's written by Simon Spurrier with art by Casper Wingard and colors by Lee Lowridge. Cy loves a murder bot. I know, like, right? That's, he's just like, oop. Yeah. And and he's so he's so good at it too. Yeah. The next one is Yoda in The Trial of Dagobah, which is a really interesting one. Essentially just kind of seeing Yoda alone with his thoughts on Dagobah on the planet in the immediate kind of moments prior to Luke showing up in Empire, which was really, really interesting. That's written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Andrea Bricardo and colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. And then okay. This is what it's all about, folks. We have the two hunks, the two dudes, the two champs, the two number one bros in the universe, Biggs Darklighter and Jack Porkins in Stolen Valor, which is, oh yeah, uh, which is written and uh, illustrated by John Adams with colors by Chris O'Halloran. And throughout the entire thing, we have letters by VCs, Travis Lanham. Okay, this Biggs and Porkins story kind of blew my mind because it felt like, it felt like an indie comic. It felt like... So, yeah, I, I, well, I was curious yeah. what your knowledge of John's work was. Please explain. But John, yeah. uh, he's done a ton of work. He, he does cartoons. He does writing. He does design. does all kinds of stuff. But he did this book, it's, I think, really just comic strips right. called Truth Serum mm. that is devastating. <laughs> it's, it's so upsetting. It's so wonderfully told, but very like emotionally draining and like... These great stories of sadness, mm-hmm. but he's, he's a very like indie cartoonist vibe to his work. I think you would actually love Truth Serum. Awesome. I may have a collection somewhere if I can find it, but you should check it out. Yeah, absolutely will. Because 
th- I mean, this story was amazing. Like, I am so impressed that we're able to read this kind of story. It feels it's like in canon. I know it's amazing. This counts. the The colors are incredible. It feels like something more out of like a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. If anything, it's like almost Kirby esque in its colors and its vibrancy. It's yeah, it's really amazing. Of, yeah, Matt Wilson stuff on on Runaways yeah. vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's, really, really. Good. It's a really, really different look for any Star Wars comic I've ever read. But in it, we see hey, there are a couple bros. They got tough jobs being pilots in the rebellion. It's hard to do. You know what they need? A little R&R. So they go to Earth, the vacation planet, and chill out in their space bathing suits, riding around on like space worms, having space fun time. You know, sometimes you just need a little (laughs) self-care. It is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) Sometimes I read stories and like... I know I personally am going to write a story about this next Wednesday <laughs> just because I need to. Like, I there are some pictures of, like, specifically Porkins in here who is a – he's got a family. He's feeling sad. He's got a lot going on. And uh, it fleshes him out in a really amazing way. But overall, it's it's just such a fun ride all the way through. I just need as many people to see this as possible. It is a fun ride. Except the beginning and the end of that story is yeah. like primo John Adams yes. to me. Like that is why I I said like that you need to read Truth Serum because the way he threads it all and the like the emotional pinning of that story yeah. is so powerful. Yeah, I mean, especially given what we know about poor old Jack. Yeah, those Makes moments too, where you're like, like, well, yeah, completely. It ends up being like. A fascinating different kind of war story um not star wars war just kind of war story in general where you could there's this amazing mixture of kind of this lightness and great humor and then the, those moments like exactly like you said where you're like oh oh all right <laughs> yeah oh man so it hurts that would tie into the next star wars book but you sliced our books out of order, so I've got to go to my next book, which is <laughs> Spider-Man Life Story number two, tracking back alphabetically. And this is my second pick of the week. Oh, boy. This one is written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Drew Hennessy, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Okay, except... What? What year does this issue take place in? 1977? Exactly. The year that Star Wars came out, <laughs> it still counts. <laughs> I, I, Boom. I like it. I like it. So uh, this story, man, good gravy. This book is so, it's like damn near perfect. I know. It picks up about 10 years after the last issue. So the idea of this book, if you don't remember, is that Life Story looks at Peter Parker's life story as if he were aging in real time. So every issue picks up at a different period. The first issue was 1967. Uh, Peter was uh, was 20 years old, which we were doing the video version of the show the other day. And I realized that, oh, the mathing of all this mm-hmm. means that Peter Parker was born in 1947, mm-hmm. which is like, whoa, yeah. blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. So you follow Spidey's Peter Parker's life in real time. And it's not saying, okay, everything that happened in the Marvel Universe were fitting into this. It is, okay, what is a natural extension of the events from this story? So at the end of the first issue, Captain America made a very bold decision about the Vietnam War. And that has repercussions mm-hmm. and it actually like continues on into this story. And you see political and world changing things around that. You see how the Avengers have a very seemingly very different course of action going forward in there. And what happens with Peter's life is the losing Gwen Stacy, the death of Norman Osborn, those seminal moments that happened in Marvel's 19 and like the 1970s of the comics that we know didn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. So Norman Osborn's in jail, Gwen and Peter, they go on with their lives and we pick up with them being married. Mm -hmm. And so you get this Completely different story. It's 1977. Peter is 30 years old in here. We get flashes of all this interesting stuff, but the relationships, the friendships, the death, all that's in there, plus threading in some of the big 70s Spider-Man stuff in interesting ways, such as like clones, drug problems, character changes, those things that happen in 
our Spider-Man comics are brought in here, but in new ways. Yeah. And then you get Mark Bagley, who is one of the greatest comic artists of all time, getting to design new looks for Spider-Man and one of the villains, which are cool. And they're different from anything we've ever seen in the books. And it's like, okay, they're thinking natural extensions of these stories of these characters. I hope no one out there is like, well, it doesn't count if it's not in the universe. It's a great <laughs> comic book. It is a wonderfully told story. It is funny it's fun it's devastating it is everything you want out of a great spider-man comic and period totally now back to star wars uh to what i was talking <laughs> about because the porkins and um big, big story does feel like it connects to this tie fighter yeah. story yeah. in really interesting ways this is star wars tie fighter number one written by jody hauser with art by rohe antonio and michael dowling with colors by Arif prianto and lee lowridge and lettering by VCs Joe Caramagna. And so as I was reading this, one of the fun things I think about, you know, especially with our Star Wars comics, is how you can hear the sounds of the ships as they scream by, blast away, explode. The films give us the textures that fill in certain gaps, which makes a book that's really about a group of TIE fighter pilots, yeah. it makes it more resonant. But you also get all these new stories, these new characters, these new perspectives. This one, again, does pair really well with the other Star Wars book out this week. But I think, you know, it's also going to pair well because there's a novel. We get a sample yeah. of the novel in here. There's a whole bunch of interesting stuff. I like the, the stories that Star Wars are telling right now. Yeah, totally. All right, next up we have Thor number 12. And this is a War of the Realms tie-in story. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo and letters in production by VCs Joe Sabino. I think that the... Um, credits page here with the kind of summary of where we are to this point says it beautifully look spoilers for war of the realms number one okay it says the gods of asgard have banded together with the heroes of earth to fight malekith's invasion finally repentant for his role in building malekith's army loki intervened to save his adopted mother freya from the assault and thus for loki god of mischief the war seemingly came to a swift end dot 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 when Laufey picked him up and ate him. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. Uh, really, really cool. So, I mean, that leaves us wondering, you know, if this is an issue about Loki, how? How could it be an issue about Loki? It's an issue of four Lokis. Y yes, exactly. Four Lokis, my favorite drink. <laughs> my water. Oh, yeah. This, so, I mean, essentially, like, the best way I could think of it is just, like, this is Loki Christmas Carol. This is... Loki yeah. with Jacob Marley and the whole cast and crew. You there, boy. What day is it? Turkey, large as I am. I don't know. Oh, some... you got it, sir. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's some stuff like that. Anyway, you know, if you love Jason Aaron's writing, which, you know, I think if you like comic books, then you have to. It, it, it's so cool to see him really dig deep into the psychology of Loki and the different sides of this character because he is as unpredictable as they come every time you think oh, all right he's kind of solidified himself right now as a supervillain he does something heroic and vice versa so here we get to see him interact with his different selves his past self his potentially future self with all these various iterations so to see uh that introspection from this character to get to see jason aaron really get inside this character's head uh, and have him have these different fascinating conversations with himself is like kid in a candy store stuff. It, it, it's so good. Yeah. And Mike Del Mundo doing some really, there's like heads Amazing. getting lopped off Amazing. and really gnarly stuff. And the last page is so gross. Yeah. So gross. <laughs> yeah. All right. Up next is Tony Stark, Iron Man number 10. This is written by Dan Slott and Jim Zub with art by Valerio Schiti with colors by Edgar Delgato and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There's a new Iron Man armor in this issue that definitely hints at some cool potential. Uh, when you read the issue, you're going to be like, whoa, that thing is cool. Wait a minute. Look at it. What <laughs> right. is that? Tony deals with the Escape and his rogue AI motherboard in this issue, but in the process, he puts together something about himself that is harsh mm -hmm. and it is really interesting and is going to push this book forward from the next couple of months I yeah love it. totally all right next up we have uncanny x-men number 16 it's written by matthew rosenberg with art by salvador la roca colors by google efx and letters by vcs joe caramagna this is a roller coaster really fascinating for me i 
I love to see, given everything that's happened with Scott Summers in recent years, given, you know, his recent resurrection, I love to see him in the role of leader, but also here absolutely struggling with that role. It's a super fascinating element that gets to essentially, like, for me, the heart of this character. There's a lot happening in here, and uh, especially where we leave it is kind of a, a huge where do we go now kind of moment. Good cliffhanger. Yeah. All right. Up next is our special bonus pick of the week. Oh, boy. Because it's so good. I had to pick it as War of the Realms number two. This issue is called The Midgard Massacre. It is by Jason Aaron, Russell Dodderman, Matthew Wilson, with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Oh, man. This is the fall of New York. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler Mm -hmm. because we knew that Malekith and his forces, they were going to spread across the globe. We, you know, like that was clear. The heroes don't fare well, but the how of it, the details of what happens, it's this big, amazing, grim and exciting comic. I got to talk about some of my favorite bits in here. That's the ghost dog ushering evacuees into the Sanctum Sanctorum. Punisher and Wolverine teaming up against Dark Elves. Captain America, like, running up the building so he can jump out a, like, high-story window, (laughs) take down a frost giant, only to land and then say, quote, somebody find me another giant. I'm going back up. Like, that (laughs) moment is just like, yeah! Freya calling the Queen of Heaven and, quote, oath-breaking, child-stabbing harpy who's long overdue for a good beheading. (laughs) I love Freya when Jason writes her. She's just so awesome. Has one of the best double-page spreads you will see in all of comics this year. Odin riding into Manhattan with all the Valkyrie around him. Dozens of badass warrior women on their flying horses, swords raised, fury in their eyes, flanking Odin who's wrapped in bandages because he's been like set upon by assassins, which he's already killed. (laughs) He's ready to fight. He's carrying a spear, Gungnir, in one hand. He's riding his eight-legged steed, Slepnir. Like, it's just so metal. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. Russell and Matthew absolutely wiping the floor. It's like... When I read this, I was thinking of Dio and like it feels like a Dio song from the heavens coming down and the team just like absorbed it and put it into a comic. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, I won't say any more other than the last two lines from this book. First is from a news broadcast. The broadcast goes, quote, wherever you live on the face of the earth, whatever deities you worship, now would be the time to say a prayer and hope some God somewhere is listening. And then the caption, the last line of the book is, no God is listening. Mm-hmm. This comic rules so hard. Also, there's a really silly picture of me and Jason from the day we got our tattoos done. Mm-hmm. That's in the back of the book. So if you want to look at what two goofballs getting tattoos look like <laughs> minutes afterwards, that's us. We're in this issue. Oh, man. I'm going to follow up here with uh, <laughs> uh, my second pick of the week, which is War of the Realms, The Punisher Number one, it's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Roberto Poggi, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I love this issue for the same exact reason that I love Savage Sword of Conan, and that's because I've, you know, heard these little stories of moments where Jerry Duggan is like, oh, can I get a piece of that? Can I write this character? Can I do that? And you just can feel how much he loves these different characters. And in this case, how much he loves the Punisher, because you can just tell in the words on the page that he's chopping at the bit to tell a Punisher story. And he, you know, you can just feel that for years he's had like these moments in mind or these dynamics in mind that he just can't wait to unleash on a page via the voice of this amazing, super idiosyncratic character. They're done with humor. They're done with like just the epic tone with great storytelling. Uh, There's so much happening here. It's really cool at the end of the day to see a kind of ground level, street level character like Frank Castle come up against these kind of cosmic forces, these frost giants, all these different things. Um, And uh, yeah, great start. Heck yeah. All right, we got another War of the Realms issue. It's War of the Realms War Scrolls 
number one. Uh, this is an anthology book. So we're going to get a, a four different stories in this one with the first story uh, carrying over through the rest of the series. It is Daredevil in The God Without Fear, part one, written by Jason Aaron, art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Matthew Wilson. We get to see Daredevil with his big-ass sword yeah. protecting a church from frost giants. If that's not enough to get you in on this book, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> I can't talk to you. Uh, Sorrentino's art, so gorgeous. I like. He did the recent Iron Fist Avengers 1 million BC story yeah. in the pages of Avengers with Jason. His line work is so detailed and clear, yet not rigid and super clean, if mm -hmm. you understand mm -hmm. my meaning. It's not like pristine, but it's very deliberate and wonderful like yeah. you get that sense of you're looking at something real you know daredevil's fabulous butt uh, <laughs> which i nearly posted out on twitter but i was like oh it's too early to share this yeah yeah and then after the best butt there's a two-page battle sequence of daredevil taking down uh the giant with these little inset panels focused on the sword it's like visual poetry Mm -hmm. uh, it's so good. And then you get this jaw-dropping page of how Daredevil sizes up key focal points and threats from a different Frost Giant. The pressure points, the anatomy, all of it is so glorious. Uh, then we've got a Warriors 3 story and called, which is called The Warriors 3 or 4, written by Josh Trujillo, drawn by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz with colors by Felipe Sobrero. This one is a lot of fun. You get the Warriors with Hildegard leading them through the streets of New York to get this unconscious and uh, injured Volstagg to safety who's <laughs> just snoozing the whole time. It's very funny. They fight dark elves. They link up with Cloak and Dagger. It is dope as heck. Third story is Wolverine and Punisher in Nice Shot, Frank. Written by Ram V. Drawn by Kafu. Colored by Brian Reber. And this one is uh, a lot of fun. You get to see some kids encounter Dark Elves and then Wolverine and the Punisher. Highlight is Logan and Frank just giving each other guff. Mm -hmm. I could... Eat that up. <laughs> Fourth story is a Howard the Duck tale called Wah of the Whales. You want to give me your, your Howard Wah? Wah. There you go. <laughs> um, and this one is written by Chip Zdarsky, drawn by Joe Canonis, with an ink assist by Joe Rivera and colored by Rico Renzi. That's the team from the Howard the Duck series. Oh, one of my faves. Yeah. Uh, this one, it, just, it also says, note, read War of the Realms number two before you read this whole issue. Just keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. But this one is a reminder, this last story is a reminder that that Howard the Duck series was too perfect for this world. I know. Like, we couldn't <laughs> handle it. We're gifted with this short story of Howard trying to get him and his crew paid. There's a three-panel sequence on the first page telling us why Howard wants this so badly, and it made me guffaw. Yeah. It's so good. It's only four pages, but it's got Biggs the Cat, Frost Giant Poo. It's everything you want. <laughs> All right. Last book for me this week is the last issue of West Coast oh. Avengers this is issue number 10. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Moy R. Colors by Triona Farrell. Letters by VCs Joe Caramania. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Where we've both loved this series yeah, so... Yeah, speaking of books that are too perfect for this world. Seriously. I think we'll think back on this one the same exact way. And it's a, it's a really great farewell issue because we get a, a really wonderful mixture of like these great dramatic and action moments but also these moments that li just literally cut right through them with so much humor and joy which is really the spirit of this book for me it's just so joyful yeah you uh, just had this this two-page sequence open which had kate and her mom talking about like all the drama that's going on between them mm -hmm. and then on the other side is gwenpool and jeff the baby land shark leaping at vampires and then like there's a panel where the sound effects for Gwen are like stabby stabby yeah. and the sound effects for Jeff are bitey bitey. It is <laughs> perfect. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. There's also a really, really wonderful letter from Kelly in the back of this issue, uh, which definitely worth reading. But uh, yeah, you know, thanks to the entire team. Love this run so much, but it's onwards and upwards for everybody involved, for the characters, for the creators. Uh, great stuff all around. Heck yeah. All right, last book of the week is Wolverine Infinity Watch number three. This one is written by our pal Jerry Duggan with art by Andy McDonald, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This issue may have the best panel of the week, which is Bats the Ghost Dog howling in joy as he rides a magical Asgardian spaceship yeah. in space. Yeah. So good. It is just phenomenal. And then two panels later, he's drinking beer from one of Loki's helmets. <laughs> I love it. Big shouts to Jordi Belair for coloring this berserker rage sequence that Wolverine goes through at one point. It's just white and red. Yeah. And like that sense of Wolverine like losing control and just 
fury. Yeah. The last page of this issue has Loki in a costume you never thought you'd see. And it is <laughs> one of both the funniest and like, well, hot damn, Loki. That's a really good yeah. bit of business yeah. moments. Yeah. I loved it. Loved, loved, loved it. All this Bats talk takes us straight into collections on sale this week because first up is Doctor Strange by Donny Cates. Hey, that's the book where Bats made his debut. It is a good comic. Yeah, real good. Then we have Iron Man Epic Collection, The Man Who Killed Tony Stark, Iron Man Heroes Return, The Complete Collection, Volume 1, Shatterstar, Reality Star, Spider-Man 2099 versus Venom 2099, Thor by Kieran Gillen, The Complete Collection, and X-Men by Peter Milligan, Volume 1, Dangerous Liaisons. That Thor collection is great. Kieran doing some good stuff. Uh, Lots of stuff hitting the apps, including Marvel Unlimited getting some 70s and 90s issues of Ghost Rider. We get the Ghost Rider Blaze Spirits of Vengeance limited series from 1992 added in there. What If, a whole bunch of other books on the list. Fool Killer, number one from 1990. Well, dang. Hey, X-Men Black Mojo, number one. Oh, yeah. That's Scott Ackerman, one of my favorite books of last year. So good. Yeah, real good. So all that's on Marvel Unlimited. You get the full list on Marvel.com or make sure you just subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. You'll find out when you go into your app. Yeah. Tucker, that's it. We did it. We did it. Hot dog. Wow. We'll be back with another one next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.